Yo, are you guys ready? I think so. (laughs) Let's kick it. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Where It Went podcast, where we are discussing the Revelation Records discography in chronological order. And this episode, we have, I think it's a pretty, pretty good record. Uh, I said that I think this record is enigmatic, which I think is a good way to describe it. Jason, why don't you tell the people what we're talking about this episode? We're at Revelation number 20, Judge's final release, The Storm 7-inch. Their swan song. Yeah. We'll get to that too. We're out of the teens now. Out of the teens in the nine, deep, uh, 91. Is this 91? Yeah. Oh, uh, well, we talked about that, right? Because there's a little yeah. bit of like weirdness back and we never there got is that, some weirdness. We never got that figured out. But yeah. uh, you know, what do you expect when... We're talking about records that came out at this point 30 years ago um, with people who, I mean, I know when I've made records, I just was like, okay, we're going to record this record now. Like, let's go into a studio, let's write some songs. And I don't think that these guys were ever like, hey, this shit's going to be timeless. You know what I mean? This is going to be like one of the best hardcore records of all times. And if they did think that, like... I wouldn't fault them for it, but I just, nobody was, I don't think that they were going into it with like a, this is going to be a fucking legacy. You know? Yeah. Well, yeah. I think even like what Sammy said, it was kind of just like, Hey, we got this song. Like, yeah, let's, let's go let's, record it. Let's go record it while we can and, yeah. and see what to do. And yeah, as far as release dates, I was thinking too, a lot of these indie labels, they don't have, you know, it just came out when it came out. Like yeah. it wasn't like, you know, the major label releases and the bigger, like, and now there's release dates for when it comes to streaming and when the vinyl's available and stuff. But I feel kind of like back then it was just like, hey, we recorded it. We're putting it out. When we get it back from the pressing plant, we're going to start shipping it. They can maybe narrow it down to the month. Um, but like, I don't think there's an actual release date, even my own band stuff. I don't know the actual release dates. It was just yeah, whenever we got the stuff, I can narrow it down to the year, maybe yeah. the month. Yeah. Know? Yeah. It wasn't like, um, that wasn't some grand scheme and it wasn't like, uh, we're going to do this and then we're going to do this and it's going to fall in line. You know, it's just like, yeah. all right, we got this seven inch and like, even we're seeing today and this is not a criticism at all, but like, the the new press of the quicksand seven inch at, at the time of this recording on turquoise vinyl and the new press of the youth of today seven inch on yellow vinyl like hey guys we got this record now here you go you know it wasn't yeah, like, like a, there was no lead up it was just kind of like which is kind of cool though yeah <laughs> yeah it's out sure. order it you yeah know, that quicksand looks really cool with the it does the, look good the b-side the, the trippy b-side yeah 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 and the youth of today like that's a nice color yellow um it's it's cool and i'm sure also it keeps the collector scum uh on their <laughs> on their toes you know i you know i i saw recently on no echo a bit about a no echo there was a round table discussion with revelation records collectors i don't know if you guys saw this article but it had some of no. the he- yeah. it had some of the heavy hitters on instagram dave brown oh, from Virginia I, beach yeah, yeah dave brown uh lord humongous um, maybe vinyls is not a word. I don't remember. Um, but one of them was talking about, you know, one of the questions was 
like, are you a Revelation Records uh, test press collector? And there was some like varying discussion. You know, some people were like, well, if it's Rev, I'll collect it. And some people were like, I remember one of the answers that I read was just, if you're just now getting into Rev collecting and you think you're going to be a test press collector, you're sorely mistaken. <laughs> like, it's just not, it's not going to happen. Like, especially unless you've got this fucking weird like disposable wealth at your disposal and you can yeah. just you know drop money but i mean we've seen what chung king has gone for in the past few years and i'm sure there's even just some other big i i follow a smith smith morrissey collecting uh group and th- even some of those records right now are going for you know over 200 pound or you know, just like crazy prices for even vinyl. still, I would have thought Morrissey stock would have dropped enough where you know, <laughs> yeah, you get yeah, a nice just, treat yourself. Yeah, it was this morning, I believe, a Beethoven was deaf on vinyl, sold for like two hundred and forty nine pound or something like mm. that. Wow! Yeah, because I had been I had been looking for that one. This was years ago when I was uh-huh. actively looking for. I haven't truthfully besides when the new ones come out i'm like oh i'll get this uh-huh. um i haven't looked at any of the you know the others but the originals you know it's it's also the kind of thing too where the record stores get them and they they overprice them mm-hmm. because somebody's gonna pay it like, well yeah you know i hate to say it but like discogs and ebay has really hurt the uh online or the the in-person collecting thing because now you can look up uh how much things go for or how much people charge for stuff. And it's like, Oh, I got this record or this cassette or this, you know, seven inch or this shirt. And uh, other people are paying $750 for it. So that's how much I'm going to price it for. But like, how long is it going to fucking sit on your shelf? If you, if you don't price it to move. And then there's always up someone, I guess, who's just like, fine. I'll, you know, I gotta have it. I'm going to pay. But like there's people, I mean, I've had deals with people, you know, sellers on eBay and there was like something, I was a marginal man, uh, their double image album. And like the median sale price on Discogs was like $16. Uh-huh. And this guy was asking $59.99. Mm. And I straight up told him like, do you know like what this actually sells for? And he's like, well, I'm, I'm not going any lower. Like, well, all right, well, cool. Then I said, I've noticed your collection. Yeah, it's literally yeah. been sitting there for yeah. months. Yeah. Well, I'm glad that we gave some lip service to Rev collectors. I hope that that <laughs> appeases some, uh, you know, some people's, um, they want to hear about it. And, you know, that's never been a, uh, a really a, a talking point on this podcast because the three of us aren't Rev vinyl collectors. Like, it's true. We collect stuff to listen to. The three of us. We're more uh, shirt connoisseurs, I, am, I would say. Sure. Jason, especially. Yeah, I don't um, have any vintage, many vintage ones. I just like, you know, whatever. Because yeah. I usually cycle through every uh-huh. couple of years. I'll, you know, to make Like work. a normal person. But, instead of like, yeah, not like for a, years not. and years. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, but like for, for me with records, I mean, you know, I got into buying vinyl late relatively Uh speaking Uh so i get some of these rev collectors that have been collecting for you know now almost 35 years when stuff was cheap you could probably get yeah yeah versions uh, what what was skylab commerce do you remember that 
it was like, and, and just the rev collecting boards and kind of like the early days of eBay, you know, a lot of these collectors really did get on before discogs.com turned exactly. into the main way to buy yeah. vinyl or whatever. And I hate to blow up my own spot here, but you know, I've been collecting a lot of uh, sealed Revelation Records cassettes. And even still, you know, this week, like I found a fucking Engine Kid Iceburn split cassette sealed factory sealed and a day spring dream state yes. sealed cassette also yeah a bit of bo ken pan yeah um well cassettes see and that's the thing like are you going to be ahead of the curve like are cassettes all of a sudden going to be like well big, I, I don't know you know my my label contraband we've done 16 cassette releases now and one vinyl release and I have no interest really in pressing vinyl. It's so uh, volatile, I guess is a good word for it. What was like, the vinyl release? Uh, we did a, the first release we ever did actually was in 2009. And it was a compilation called 717. And it was Integrity, Vegas, Gehenna, and Unreal City. And that was because there was a, a gig at Chain Reaction with all of those bands playing. And so I did a compilation seven inch. Uh, we only made like 150 copies or something like that. And uh, it was just, you know, especially these days, you never know how long it's going to take. The vinyl plants are backed up. It's super expensive to make a seven inch. I mean, uh, yeah, we could go on and on and on about this, but I love cassettes. I love collecting cassettes. I love the way they look. I love the way they yeah. feel. Uh, I have some... I forget what it was. I, oh, I did an um, un, unwrapping of a uh, Morrissey Kill Uncle on cassette and put it in my boombox in the garage. And it sounded so good. It sounded huh. so thick. And even that record, it's like mastered really low. And it's you know notoriously kind of not a very popular record comparatively. But um, tapes, man, like it, I think that they're cool. And... Uh, I'm going to continue to make them. I'm going to continue to collect them. I'm going to continue. I just bought this week from Bit at Boat a Tom Ranger. Uh, I bought a Ashes demo. Nice. From him, and it's so sick. Bit at Boat Brown. Yeah, I guess maybe because like when I started buying music, it was on cassettes. Yeah, but same. It was like a year and then I got CDs. So like I didn't have that many cassettes. Like and, it was like. And I think that there's a place for collecting CDs also, if, if that's kind of a, it sounds weird because there are a lot of different pressings. There's a lot of weird stuff out there. I mean, even look at the inside out seven inch, there's the cardboard slip case and then there's the jewel case. And like, do all of the jewel case copies have red, a red logo? Because my, my cardboard slip case doesn't have it. And then to go beyond that this week, my dude Andrew gave me a Rolling Stones Beggar's Banquet CD that was some crazy like super audio CD. And I, when I put it in my car, I've listened to that record so many times. I put it on in CD in my car and I heard things I've never heard before. I heard mm. things in different speakers. I heard different sounds. And it, it, I think that there is a way to consume audio it, on different levels. And I think that if you're only consuming audio on Spotify, 
or iTunes or like Apple Music or Tidal or whatever, I think that you're doing your ears a disservice because there's things in the compression. I, I know this sounds fucking wild and nerdy, but you're going to miss stuff. And those Crossley record players that everybody was like getting from Urban Outfitters, those are like the worst things <laughs> that you can listen to vinyl on, man. They're so fucking bad. So I just um, threw one out. Yeah. Did you really? Yeah, I really I did. bought one and it never worked. Yeah, I my, was actually my, just talking about that the other day. I bought I, it and then by the time I, because I, when I started buying records again, uh-huh. bought it and I was like, I'll set it up eventually, you know, because I would just buy the, you know, I would trade my CDs, get the credit uh-huh. that for vinyl. So that's yeah. how I started my collection and yeah. they would come with the download card. So I would uh-huh. just download and then be like, all right, well, here they are. And uh, yeah, it's definitely worth spending a little bit extra to get a decent turntable to yeah, listen for sure it's like i have night. a tech a techniques 1200 and you know did some research for like a receiver and nice speakers and stuff and wait the, is it the audio technica no, tech a120 or no techniques 1200 is like industry standard for djs like battle djs and stuff it's like i mean it's a, a four four digits uh, this uh turntable is worth but um and the needle you know was like 75 bucks or whatever so it's right it's uh it but it's worth it because i mean we listen to records every single day we sit down for dinner in my household and we put a record on you know every every day and i think it's super important that my kids are exposed to music exposed to different kinds of music my kids you know my six-year-old knows how to like stop and flip the record over and put it on and it's it's cool they're already learning how to consume music in a quote-unquote cool way well because um, of my work i don't even have time to sit and eat dinner and listen to records, so i'm jealous <laughs> uh, yeah <laughs> um hey before we uh, get into the interview do we have any uh anything that we need to minute bow to uh this episode sponsor war records um as we've mentioned great label tons of cool bands stuff by strife berthold city um and, I, uh, I did indeed order. I said on the last episode, I was going to place an order. I did use the download or the, the code. I used uh, the code. What's the code, Greg? The code is where it went in all caps and you'll get 10% off your order. www.war-rec.com. R-E-C. So I went over there and I ordered the Strife Incision cassette um, and I ordered the Buggy demo. And both of those are great. And then since Andrew is such a nice guy, he sent me the last gasp demo and it's fucking awesome. I have to say last gasp. It looks like they're from Ohio and I know this is going to turn some people off, but it's also going to make some people stoked. It sounds like early ignites had a non operatic singer. So, so the vocals are like, they're kind of high, but there's, there's a little bit of like a a raw edge to it, a little bit of a scream. And even some of the music kind of reminded me, I hate to say it of like a Pennywise, but like not in a like cheesy bro way. I just, I, I I liked this release. I wasn't expecting to, and um, I'm really stoked that I got it and I'm going to pay more attention to this band. They have a few other releases on Bandcamp. Check them out. Last Gasp. And nice. then Andrew Klein also sent me a Ghost Decibels cassette, nice. which is 
Chaka from Burn, his um, side project. And um, yeah, it, there's still a lot of cool stuff over there on the War Records website. And I know that he's, Andrew's staying busy. Um, he's got, it's cool because it's, you know, he could just fall into this very easy thing of putting out his own band, putting out his friend's band, whatever. But it, it really looks like he's out there seeking new bands to put out and i really appreciate that and uh, i'm a war records fan so go to war-rec.com place an order uh use code where it went all caps all caps and you'll save 10 percent on your order which could be sales tax if you're a california resident uh could help you with the shipping uh shipping rates are going up tremendously yeah. all the time um all the shipping that i do you know where i'm shipping out the embrace shirt and in the middle of my shipment i got an update on my shipping program that said that rates were going up so uh <laughs> unreal yeah it's it's crazy it's crazy out there um so yeah uh any uh anything else we want to shout jason you got any shouts i would say pick up that enforced at the walls uh 325 were available and uh, now it's sold out sold and last time there was what good mansion yeah. left, yeah. so it's all that. So I think I think that we in, influence. Jason that, needs I'd a like cut. To say. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> the time to buy is now. Time to buy it's when you see it. Yeah, when you see it. Thank you. Yes, that's okay. And also, the time to get into the judge, the storm seven inch, as we refer to it, is now. Kick it. This one's called the storm. <laughs> You know what this one's about. Come on up. Right. Yeah, no. Yeah. I'm always down, man. I can but let's let's kick it, huh? Yeah, let's kick it. So we're here today with Sammy Sigler. Um, and we're here to talk about the Judge Seven Inch. There will be quiet. Dot 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 after this dot 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 after the storm. Um <laughs> And, you know, it, I was just looking in the Record Aficionado book about this, and the Inside Out 7-inch has a copyright date of 1990, and then this 7-inch has a copyright date of 1991, correct? No, mine says 90. Okay, because in the, in the book here and on the insert, it says 1991. Maybe another press. If you look yeah. on the inside, it says 91, and it even talks about, because I don't have the, the cover in front of me. But it says 91, and then my, the point that I'm getting at here is that Super Touch says 1990. So did these come in? That, like, I know sometimes Rev will put stuff like out as a placeholder. I wonder if the Super Touch record actually physically came out before the Judge 7-inch, or is that uh. just like a, a weird thing? Does your copy for sure say 1990, Greg, on the back? Yeah, hold on. Yeah. And does yours have a California address, Greg? Huntington. Uh, yeah, yeah, so, this is. Oh, so that might be uh, um, a typo. Typo? Because yeah. I talked to Jordan physically last week and I asked him what the first record to come out in California was. And he couldn't remember if it was Super Touch or Into Another, even because Burn, the first copies still have the CT address. Okay. Hold on, this is where it gets even hairier, though. Look at the inside. Yeah, C91. So, 91 copyright. but, the, but the back, the back cover, and I know we're getting into the weeds here, but my, my point is, is did this seven inch come out after super touch? 
It's a good question. Let's yeah. get some forensics. Let's get the forensics going. Yeah, get the, get the team on it. <laughs> um, it could be like a cliffhanger episode, this one. We could do like a to be continued. <laughs> yeah. kind of and find out. Answer. Yeah, we'll get because people messaging like, us saying, uh, like do your homework, days, guys. Like the ponds jumping the sharks, you know? Because yeah. <laughs> yes. a, a lot of this stuff is not as clearly documented. So like, for instance, the Inside Out, there were people saying that Inside Out was copyright right at 1990 but didn't come out until like february of 91 like it, i still like, think that was... my idea that I, I pitched this to you guys that you should have like a hotline like a phone that maybe goes yes. to phone a friend yeah that goes to like igby or someone or yeah phone <laughs> a friend like there's got to be some like hotline that you can Lifeline. call to answer these you know i agree I, I got a question when you refer to the seven inch do you call it there will be quiet or do you call it the storm two seven inch or do you call it the storm seven inch i think i call it the storm seven inch yeah, Same. Mm -hmm. that's, that's what I, I well. that's what and that's what I'm gonna put in the title for the episode. And it really should have been the Forget This Time Seven Inch. I mean, that's the first song on the record, right? Yeah, it is. And yeah. I, I'm pretty sure, like, I was trying to remember, and I must apologize that I don't have a lot of real specific memories of this one. Oh, you don't um, remember something from 30 years ago? That's weird. Yeah, <laughs> and you know what? It's funny because, like, I feel like I failed you guys. I don't. I didn't remember the side by side thing I did and the disengaged thing. I feel like my memory was also shot, so I, I've yet to really shine on the where it went podcast but i'm gonna <laughs> one of these days i'm gonna come through with some really you know sick what you make stories. you make up for it in your support of us all right there you go yeah um but i Agreed. think that like what i think is interesting about this seven inch is like why did we record it like didn't um bring it down probably came out like a year before right or two years yeah. before so did we really have to record the storm again i think my guess if i had to a few things one was that we wrote forget this time which my, my guess on this is that it's all about the quest for judge to try and be like, we were trying to grow up. You know, we were, we went, uh -huh. when we were doing judge, um, at least when I joined after the first seven inch, um, you know, we were listening to the Chromax. We were listening to leeway. We were listening to like suicidal tendencies. Like we wanted to kind of be able to make a record that was sort of advanced, like a yeah. step up. It's a little more complex. Like, like more even be on like a headbangers ball like i could have seen well, it wasn't even like we wanted to be in the metal scene as much as we wanted to create hardcore that was like on that kind of level where like there was like leads or like you know i had a i could have like a small tom tom that goes like stuff that like roto toms like yeah like shit that was happening on that point to expire record like i wanted to do that you know like a china crash and like and um you know i think that was also kind of the trend that was going on with with our peers as far as like you know, I think Sick of It All was just getting a little more grown up and other bands were just kind of stepping it up a little bit. And so we wanted to do that. And we wrote um, Forget This Time, which is probably one of the most like advanced songs for Judge, you know, looking back, yeah. like it's got, you know, multiple parts. Oh, yeah. And it's, you know, it's kind of this, it's, I don't think there's any other songs that are in that tempo. It's kind of this mid-tempo thing. There's no real mosh part to it, but yeah. we were really proud of it. And I think that probably sparked it like, fuck, we need to get the song out. And then... I'm just guessing here and feel free to, you know, fact check me with the hotline or someone. <laughs> but, but I think then it was like, well, shit, we're playing the storm way tighter. Now we wrote this little like middle breakdown spooky part yeah. where Mike gets to say the streets are all the same, yeah. you know? And like, and I had some new jazzy fills that I was psyched on and we, so we probably figured that. And then I don't know how the, I mean, I'm sure when the levy breaks came from Mike, um, so I think that was probably what sparked this seven inch of like, we, we need to get, forget this time out. We need to get, um, we know how to play the storm now. <laughs> so let's do it again. So with a, mo with a motorcycle. 
so speaking of uh, like a hotline, I can offer, if someone has more info, give our Google Voice a call. I think this would be a good time to bring that up. <laughs> no, Av? Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. Uh, 949-274-9992. If you have more info on the storm, if you clearly remember that the Super Touch LP came first, <laughs> um, give a call. And yeah, leave a know, message. First, the first let, five let callers know. get these, uh, we have these Ginsu knives. For yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'll send so, you a, a Morning Again sticker. Oh, ahead, I'm Jeff. sorry. I was going to say, I didn't ask, I wanted to ask on the Bringing It Down episode, but where does the um, sound sample from the storm version on bringing it down come from? And then where did the motorcycle sample come from to kick off the storm too? I know the answer. I was going to say, you guys are like the super efficient. I mean, I know the answer, unfortunately, but um, let me say it because it's one of the few things I know the answer to. (laughs) Yeah. I want to hear it from the horse. I'll give it to you. Yeah. Um, The, the, the album bring down the storm sample is from colors, the movie colors. I love that movie. Am I right? I think I'm right. Yep. Yeah. yeah, colors, colors, colors. That, it has that hip hop feel to it. Yeah, that's, that's awesome. Yeah, so that um, you know, sirens and and noises and things, and then the uh, the motorcycle is from Mike's motorcycle. He drove it right on the sidewalk on Spring Street in front of Don's studio. Don put a microphone up on the street, and we recorded his motorcycle revving. That's awesome. You think Ice T yeah. has heard that version of the storm? <laughs> yeah, I wonder. Yeah, send it to there's him. A, there's a I chance. bet he has, man. There's a huh? chance. So my question was, Judge was not – see, I always looked at this sort of as like the disengaged 7-inch where Judge was already done and you were just like, well, let's get these last songs out there. Or was this not recorded when Judge was done? I'm going to go with it was recorded when we were still a band because I think if we were done, then we would have been done. It's not like you don't break up and say like – let's break up and get back, you know, let's get back in the studio for yeah. one last thing. I think we were still a band. We were trying and we were, you know, we were excited about that song and specifically. Um, and then I think we broke up after that. I don't know the timeline of like when we recorded that. It feels wintry. There's a photograph, I think, of Mike on his motorcycle with all of us around him um, on the sidewalk. That I makes me that. think that, you know that photograph? No, I think no, I've I said seen I it. I know there's, that. I think there's one where, uh is like howie in the picture too or something or am i thinking yeah, there's one with like jay anarchy and dylan and me and mike and purcell i think purcell's got mike's helmet on so it looks really funny okay. I'll, I'll send it to you. i have that handy yeah um, i haven't seen that but so um, my, yeah my question with this was because we, we always like to address rumors right yeah so here's yeah. a rumor that uh i heard from a friend of the pod and patron scott sprig of buried alive fame bit of both Judge are his uh, all-time favorite hardcore band. Bringing it down is his favorite album. So, Sweet. If you, if you, so I figured you'd like to know that. He I said do. that he remembers that. Do you do you remember when you were a kid in school and they had the Scholastic book? Oh like yes, things? yes. And he said there was a thing with you, Sam, yes. in there in the Scholastic books, and that you talked something about Atlantic Records, and this was supposed to be a demo for Atlantic Records. Is there any? Truth Interesting. Well, I do remember this glassy thing. I think it must have came to me somehow. Like I might have known someone putting it together. And I remember Lars and Matt and I did like this interview and they took a photograph for the three of us. And I remember thinking after like, shit, we didn't even have Mike or Purcell in it. Like they're the founding members of this band. Like it's very, <laughs> we're sort of the three, you know, stragglers. But, um, but I thought that was pretty interesting. I don't remember what the interview said. I have it in the vault at my mom's house, which I need to get one of these days. But, um, 
Was it for Atlantic? I don't know. I mean, like, you know, we talked about in the last podcast, like, with uh, Disengage, rather, with uh, Michael Alago and, yeah. you know, MCA being interested. And, you know, there, that, there was a time where major labels were sort of interested in this stuff. So it's possible. I'm trying to think who was at Atlantic at the time. Nothing really comes to mind, but um, it is possible, you know, that we were, but I don't think we like recorded for that reason as, you know, like, let's, you know, get signed and blow up kind of mm -hmm. thing. I think it was just more like a lot of the, the energy at that time where, um, where this, where the crossover shit was happening and major labels were looking at it. Yeah. Cause it was a weird time. Cause it was like right before Nirvana, but like James but Addiction was big faith. No more. But forget this time. Did the Where It Went video get a lot of, did that get airplay? Uh, no, <laughs> I don't think so. I mean, I think probably on Night Flight. I, Night Flight was always like, the like, oh my God, we're on Night Flight. Um, mm -hmm. I want to say maybe we got like a Headbangers Ball once okay. or twice, but it it's was cool really, video. that was, those are the outlets, you know? Um, and that was, uh, so I got a plane, my airplanes here. Okay. Um, you know, we did that video. It was Mike's friend who who did it. Um, it's based on the guy's name. Nice guy. And he offered to do it. And I don't, you know, again, like, we just did it. Like, it wasn't really like, let's blow up or let's, you know, we need it. It was just more like, sure, let's do it. Like, Yeah, it didn't fun. seem like it. It's yeah. just a cool it's video. It's an awesome video. Yeah. I love it. Where's and the again, too, like, a lot of it was, like, following the leads. I mean, like, just speaking for myself of... Um, what the Chromax, you know, mm -hmm. and what Leeway, yeah. what these other bands were doing. The Chromax did a video, man, for We Gotta Know, like, I want a video, you know, yeah. like, yeah. we're trying totally. to be like that. You know, we want to be fucking a little more advanced than where we came from. And, you know, keeping in perspective, this was years of like, you know, I mean, Side by Side and Project X, Youth Today, and, and all the stuff that we were doing before this. Uh -huh. um, Judge was like, yeah, we're hardcore as fuck, but like, let's do something what like let's try and evolve there's know? a lot and of so, people at that show yeah. and this is this is sonically a huge leap from like the first seven inch you know well, like it's my question with that is is it's recorded at fury so you go into this big time studio and then you go back to fury right and that doesn't make sense to me i don't know what the fuck that's about because <laughs> it, i agree like tom soares was just you know, it was a different experience and the sounding, the sound was so much huge. The drums sound huge on bringing yeah. it down. And I mean, it, good uh, point though, Hav. I wasn't even thinking about that. That The drums on when I the levee wrong, breaks. I think it, Don was already using ADATs at that point. So uh -huh. I could be wrong, but I feel like the storm might've been on ADATs, which is also um, a little different compression and, and not, not analog. Yeah, it doesn't make a lot of sense if the idea is to re-record the storm but do it at a studio that's not as thunderous. As much as I love Don Fury, um, the scene at Normandy Sound was just different, and um, yeah, so that is a little frustrating. I, I you know, I'd love, um, especially with Forget This Time, it would be great to hear it on, like, I don't know, a little bit. I think that's another bigger. what if. That's another what if we can add. We have all these what ifs. We have there the Inside go. Out LP, the GB second LP, Youth of Today doing an LP like Disengage. I'll add a fourth is imagine a Judge second LP with these songs plus more in this yeah. vein done at Normandy Sound. You know what's yeah. interesting, just talking about the storm for a second, is that did you guys know that the storm was originally our intro? 
So we I used did. to start I that did. sleep. I saw that. Okay. I yeah. think I saw so some videos. I have some live yeah. recordings where it's like, it starts with the drums and then it goes into a different song. Right, right, yeah. exactly. So that, it's interesting how that song evolves. Like from, you know, we played it as an intro for a while. Then we recorded at Chungking originally. Mm-hmm. And then we recorded it at Normandy Sound. And then where it's like, fuck it, let's record it again. Yeah. At Don's. I, um, I think What's your favorite my- version of the three? Um, I think the one with colors, man, like the, uh, <laughs> you know, the Normandy sound one is just so thunderous. Although I did just listen to the storm two version yeah, and it, it is tight. It's got like a, a there's a, a little more of a bite to it. Like we're a little more, mm-hmm. um, just kind of on, on our game, like the way yeah. we executed it, it. It's more mature. It's like, it's ref- you guys at this point have been playing it for years and right. you've, you've, you've fine tuned it enough to like, like you said, put this other part in and put these different fills in. And, and so it's not, this is not a demo version. This is a well-practiced, well-thought-out version of the song. Right. So to also to keep things in perspective, like back then, there was rarely enough money. Mm-hmm. There was not enough time. There was no, and there was no one really guiding us as far as like, you need to do pre-production. You need to demo yeah. this shit out. Yeah. You need to be, know what you're doing before you go in the studio. Like, so, you know, bringing it down, you know, I'm sure you know the story, but like we needed a bass player. Purcell did the bass parts. It didn't work. I got Pincus last minute. He learned the songs. He did the bass and Mike did the vocals. Like we didn't know the vocals of some of the songs. So I think with the Storm 2 7-inch, it was, fuck, we're prepared. We know like how to play the Storm. We know how to play Forget This Time. You know, let's record it. Um, when the levee breaks, I probably learned on the spot. It's interesting. I was thinking about this. Like I was kind of a Led Zeppelin poser. Like I went from... I went from Kiss into punk rock into hardcore, you know, so mm. I kind of didn't really get the Led Zeppelin face. And I'm sure mm-hmm. Mike brought that into something he wanted to do with Todd, Bossman, um, doing harmonica on it. But I remember, like, I knew that, I knew when the levee breaks from the Beastie Boys sample. Yeah. Oh, uh, yes. Well, <laughs> it's funny you mentioned that cover because I, you know, had the, uh, the CD or whatever for years before I had the 7-inch. Because the seven inch only has it's just the two songs. Uh, the two songs it doesn't have ah, the Led Zeppelin, yeah. but I too. It's kind of funny. I I was never I I never went through like a Led Zeppelin phase. Oh, I was a huge yeah. Led Zeppelin oh, fan. I had big. all I the records, the all the tapes. I like my mom. Uh, I still hey, have, have her Led Zeppelin been, records. Have you ever been to that Led Zeppelin theme restaurant that they opened up? In Vegas? No, where's that? In Vegas? <laughs> no, it's, called, no. <laughs> it's called You Cooked Me. <laughs> it's awesome that? man every day the soup remains the same they've got robert eggplant wow. uh, the houses of the cannoli uh, <laughs> uh scramble on is, a, is for breakfast it's a fucking great time i really wow. recommend it uh, it's that's funny. you cooked me let's up with the restaurant wild <laughs> bit of bow to you cook me so in the insert it's got a photo of ryan hoffman playing second guitar from chain of strength so how did ryan link up with judge and then specifically for those East Coast shows, how do you link up with you guys? Let's call the hotline. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, man. Ryan's an old friend. I mean, Justice League days, like he was always, uh, you know, looking back, like there was some dudes that kind of, you know, we were tighter with than others. And Ryan was just definitely one of our favorites to see when we went Good to dude. the West Coast. And so I don't know what the first show he played was. Um, I'm assuming that he was before Lars and then it's like, and how did he join and why did he leave? You know, I yeah. know like, I mean that, that photo of from the anthrax that you just showed me, um, 
you know, that's definitely Ryan. I don't, why was he there? I don't know. I don't know if so, it was, he was there for a change, a show or some other kind of show, or if he was like living on the East Coast for a little bit. It's definitely more of a, a someone else. So my, <laughs> okay, underst- my understanding was he had a, 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 you know, a friendship with Purcell. And I guess you guys wanted to expand the sound, which made sense. You know, like you said, you wanted to take it to that next level. So you want to have the, the two guitars for yes. that kind of style. So I guess... I don't know if Ryan either talked to us off interview or if it is in the chain interview and I just forget because that was a while ago. But my understanding was, I guess he was like, yeah, I'll come play guitar. And he moved to New York for a couple months. Yeah. And then the reason he went back is he kind of got like homesick basically and was like, Mm -hmm. like, I want to go home. And, you know, chain was going to do the second seven inch. Uh, York's a hardcore city, dude. Not everyone can cut it in the Big Apple, man. You know? (laughs) Yeah. The Orcas. Um, I was, it's interesting though you said that because you're right. And, uh, or at least let's go with that story. I like that. Um, but, the, uh, but the song Forget This Time needed to, it was like the one song that we couldn't play as a four piece. You know, I think that's, so it's interesting that we had the seven inch is that that song kind of changed uh, us in the way that we needed a fifth you know, player. Even when we play shows now and we've tried to play that song, it's like we can't, if sometimes we play as a four piece, Usually we play as a five piece. When we play as a four piece, we can't play that song because it's got this whole section where the two guitars are playing different parts and they're kind of playing off each other. So it's, um, you know, that sparked that chapter of Ryan and then ultimately Lars, um, right? It was in that order probably. Yeah. Yeah. Because then Lars is on the seven inch. Yeah, I was going to ask, I believe this is your only recording with as a five piece, right? Yeah. And so it's funny because we actually had someone reach out to us and was like, nobody ever talks about Lars. Yeah. I didn't, I didn't you get Lars on. And I was like, I, I don't, I don't know. I don't, I don't really think about Lars. I'm sorry to say Lars, if you're hearing this, but like Lars, his name appears in this seven inch. And then I've seen a few pictures, you know, he's got the like kind of blonde bowl cut, mm-hmm. but it, it seems like it, when you look at the canon of judge material, Lars plays a very small role in it. So, um, you know, we, we did so much, um, in, I guess a few years, but, uh, you know, Lars was on that tour that we did. Um, cause I know just I have all these photographs from that tour, which are, are awesome. Um, yeah. tucked away in a vault somewhere, but, uh, <laughs> Lars did that tour and, you know, he did the seven inch. I think, it just felt again, like it felt like we were finally a band. Like we were, we got our, we got Lars, man. He's, he's a ripping guitar player. He's got long hair. That was kind of cool. Like we just, yeah. it was, you know, it was just sort of this quest to like evolve a little bit. And, and I think that also, like I was saying earlier, it sparked, you know, the reason to record this EP because we were finally a band and we were tight. Um, and we wanted to kind of make this like the, you know, the, the judge version to roll. So, with. Were there any other Judge songs around this time that were written and just not recorded? I don't think so. I don't think so. Um, No, I mean, we, I've got some photos from my dad's warehouse on 11th Street of us rehearsing up there with Matt and Purcell. Um, You know, we wrote together for Bringing It Down 
and really mm-hmm. dug into that. And before that, you know, Mike and, and uh, Purcell had done the seven inch. And then for this, I'm, I'm guessing Purcell wrote it and just came to me probably with it. We started digging into it, but I don't think so. I mean, he might've had ideas. You know, Purcell was really the main, uh, you know, and then Mike too, we're, I mean, for the writers. Um, but no, I don't think so. I don't think there was anything else. I think we just disappeared. Okay. Forget This Time I, is one of my favorite Judge songs. I love it. Yeah, it's I mean, a- Mike, Mike could chat about it. You should get, track him down about it. I think the lyrics are, are you know, it's like a real personal tune for him. And um, mm-hmm. and it's just, yeah, it's like, a, it's, I like it. It's different. It's, um, and it, for us, it was challenging at the time. It was like, we are pushing ourselves musically. We are on the fucking edge. This is as far, you know, we're, this is as far as we could push it. And that's, as a musician or, you know, any kind of creative, like that's exciting to, to push yourselves there. It was like a new frontier for us um, at the time. Yeah. You know, looking- it might be more of a question for Mike, but yeah, lyrics change from, and I know it's really subtle, but it changes from no more whites, no more blacks to there's no more white, there's no more black. Was mm. there people that misinterpreted the lyrics of the storm? Probably. I mean, he was like a missing, you know, that was the kind of, uh, and I just know this from doing that documentary that yeah. a lot of people took his lyrics, you know, kind of differently than he intended. So you might have to ask him on that, but yeah, that's probably why he, he tweaked it. Okay. Observation, Jason. Yeah. I was wondering that too, like the way that it's said in the, um, the LP version, someone could, you know, someone of lesser intelligence could interpret it as, you know. What's on the, uh, okay, so the back, the insert is a picture of Mike at a junkyard, right? Yeah. Do With I get a photo pack. credit? I took that picture, man. Do I get a photo credit? Oh, on did it? you? Yes. Um, back no. photo, no, back photo and layout by Jordan Cooper. Jordan just threw me under the bus. With <laughs> <laughs> and it says that the, um, the front photo was courtesy of Swissy. And J- Jason, you tracked that down, right? Yes, no, I did. I, well, and I, uh, friend of the pod and my friend Lenny Zimkis uh-huh. um he Shout had messaged me yeah bit of Bo Lenny Zimkis great okay. dude he had um messaged me uh about Swissy and uh <laughs> <laughs> so he said um that Porcel had told him that Jordan used a Swiss army knife to cut it out of a book and that's, that's why he's it says layout by Swissy that's funny. That makes sense. So. Verified by a photo online. There's a that, photo that, online. That, that, that photograph of Mike, though, like, I don't know. I feel like I was thinking about this, of, um, of this roll of film that I have where we're going across country and there's a photo of all of us in Vegas somewhere that we stopped and we drove through Vegas. I think we actually went in to a casino just for a second, but I don't know. Okay. I wasn't allowed in. I wasn't old enough. Yeah. Um, and we kept rolling and we were in Colorado. We stopped in the Colorado River. Matt had like cut his foot or something. And so there's a picture of Todd Bossman holding Matt by his legs and ducking his head in the Colorado River. (laughs) My point is that I remember driving through that part of the country and seeing all these like heat lightning storms. Uh Being a New York kid, I didn't, I never saw that before. You know, I, lightning was when it was thundering and rain and all that kind of shit. But these were like these heat lightning storms, which I don't even know if they still exist, man. Yeah, monsoon. In a minute. Monsoon season in the American Southwest is a is a wild thing, you know. You'll be driving or just chilling at your home, and all of a sudden there's fucking torrential downpour and lightning and thunder, and then a half an hour later it's gone. Yeah, all the and the um, 
the insincere is gone as well. Yeah, it wiped away everything. Yeah. <laughs> a real <laughs> rain right. came. But that's where there was all these lightning photos. I remember being like, Mike, stand there, like, going to wait for this lightning to hit and kind of timing it. Um, oh, damn. I thought that was Photoshopped. Oh, no, it's no. real. No, it's wow. real. Wow. Yeah, I'm like a, a modern day, you know, Annie Leibovitz. Type. <laughs> yeah. Dude, it's, a, it's, a, it's a cool picture. That's like, awesome. And, and yeah. uh, like, Mike just looks cool. Like, yeah, you know, like yeah. he's, wearing, he's wearing a fanny pack. He's and he wearing a cool. fanny pack. This whole. That's a hard style. The, the front cover and the insert, um, not the live shot, but the other side, to me, is one of the most enigmatic and kind of to me added to the mystery of Mike judge, the Let's mythos of Mike judge. Like Hold it up, you know, Greg. I, I picked this up. I picked this up probably, you know, 93, 92. And um, of course, Mike judge is not around at this time. Judge is not around. And all that's left is the pictures, the internet's not there. And it's like, wow, this is the guy who's singing this stuff. And he looks, he doesn't look like a hardcore kid. You know, he doesn't look like the rest of us. He looks like he's going to, like, stomp on the rest of us. And um, the lyrics that kind of go along with it, like, they're heavy and they're real. Like, this whole record, to me, it has a, and with bringing it down too, but I think maybe a little more on this, it has an emotional heaviness that mm -hmm. kind of isn't conveyed with the rest of the judge Forget material. this time. I mean, you read these lyrics, they're heavy for yeah, sure. Yeah, they are. Yeah. Um, right. And I know that in the um the discography uh porcel talks a little bit about how that song was written i guess mike had been going to therapy right that's um, what i heard too yeah and and i mean this last stanza or whatever you want to call it went to the man said it's okay pay me the money get on your way you know he don't know it feels dark i feel alone with these thoughts looking through the wrong end and i feel that way again and like the way he says it yeah. No, the way he says, you know, he yeah. don't know. It just I like, love that. yeah, it just, it gets you. Well, you know, um, like amongst friends, like growing up or any, I guess even at any point in your life, like uh, you're all kind of part of the same crew and you're all kind of, there's just things that can correlate you, but then everyone has their own uh, experiences, you know? So looking back, like, um, you know, Mike was my, my, my dude, like we were, you know, we were all brought together by hardcore and, you know, and especially being in a band together and touring and playing shows, but there was so much more to him that I didn't know. And there's sides of, you know, of myself that he didn't know. And, um, mm -hmm. you know, he was like, yeah, you know, it was his whole story, but like, he's, you know, he was part of the scene before I was, he goes way back and living in New Jersey was kind of like, is just different, just different experiences. So, he, you know, yes, he brought like a, he was older than me and he was had some probably some heavier experiences than myself and um so he brought that in his music and he was you know we were all like doing it from the heart but he was like you talk about how why judge started like he was just pissed and he wanted to just go further and deeper and darker and like so that he did a great job of conveying that in you know i think all of his lyrics and oh his, his lyrics are fantastic i mean i i love yeah. them they're fantastic and yeah. and they're they're not typical i think of like the style like like i said they're just as emotional as what people call emo and, yeah and uh, just and we were talking too about um the sense of urgency about this ep and i guess it just goes because we had toured you know we had played shows we prepared we knew it so it's like listening to the storm too earlier and he just sounded like 
fully confident and very, yeah. and actually wasn't confident in the other stuff, but it just, it just has, uh, this EP has that kind of, I think it captures that like, we're a little more together now. We're a little more of a band, we're a little more prepared. Um, one thing I was thinking about too, just musically, like Purcell's lead on this, like that was like, holy shit, dude, you just did a guitar lead. Like, that's amazing. <laughs> because mm -hmm. before that yeah. he was doing string bends. That was his thing of like, you know, we were all limited in our in our ability at the time and like he had his string bands you know he had this and that take me away kind of was like a lead but really you know forget this time was like holy shit dude you just pulled off like a, an actual guitar solo you know it moves it, it goes this way and that way um so that was i remember being impressed by that so how many tours did you do off of this record how many what you toured off this record though is that right or was the shirts just different or did that come out before the seven inch you know this is where i get screwed up on the timeline i think you guys might know better than i do but like did we record this and then tour? i think we must have recorded this and then toured because we broke up after that tour okay. I think we, okay. we broke up after that tour with todd when boss man came with us and um and pinkus and lars was on that tour and so we must have recorded this before that um so, yeah, that's my that's my guess. And I gotta ask about. I mean, as a shirt collector, one of the top shirts on everybody's want list is the Storming Through the West Coast Tour 1990 shirt. With the 3D, so, right? Yeah, the 3D one. It's awesome. When you guys put out yeah. merch, was there a frenzy for that at the time, or was it something you know, that happened after the band broke up? We all have our own like internal. You know, I like this. You like that. I like that. And that's one design that Purcell doesn't like. He's, Whoa. Um, uh, even though every time you guys play now, there's some form of it. Storming <laughs> through the say, Southwest, yeah. storming through I, Europe, I think whatever. I, I probably secretly pushed that one through a lot. Um, uh -huh. That one is sweet. I just love it. I think there's, um, although I don't know if we've really nailed the original yet. Like we do a hybrid on it. Like you saw that uh, Replay Jeans did a bootleg of, oh, um, see that. Replay Jeans did this bootleg of, I don't know if like how, it's pretty much identical. Uh -huh. um, no, I didn't see it. It's yeah, it's interesting. It was, it was online and then it disappeared. But um, but we do kind of that one. But yeah, I don't know if we've nailed that original. It's kind of like got pinks and stuff in it, right? It's sort yeah, of yeah. Like, it's got the three D burst of Judge, and it's got like a little bit of pink and red to it. And then yeah. it seems like the lightning bolts are different on each version of the shirt. Yeah, you know time to it, time to redo the original. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Ordered. I think um. You know, we had our logo, we had the hammers and, and judge, but I guess we were also trying to, you know, how do you, again, it's about evolving and growing. Like, where does it go? Like, what's that, you know, that next level judge logo gonna look like, or, you know, yeah. how, do you, how do you grow with it? You see the one with the, the one with the flame down the sleeve is also, oh yeah, that's that also tight sleeve. with the storm on the back. That one's awesome. I don't even yeah, know if I've seen that. that. Yeah, the front has the, it's basically the photo from the insert with Mike with the bandana on his head. Uh -huh. And it uh, it has orange flames down the sleeves, like it's kind yeah. of motorcycle bikeish. It looks looking. sick, though. Yeah, it's a good shirt. I had a question. Um, yeah. So the the it says it was produced, engineered by Fury, but produced by Porcel. So uh, what was that like having him both you know play guitar, write, but also being the producer? You know, I don't think that like um, uh, you know, I don't think like he he gets a lot of those produ production credits because um 
you know, he was definitely, Purcell was more of like the, he seemed more, he was like my older brother. So sort of like the more of the grown up. He kind of maybe was booking the time. He was organizing it. He was dealing with Don directly. And creatively, he was, uh, he was probably seeing the mixes all the way through. And I know he was really hands-on with the designs and stuff too. So like, um, I don't think it was a producer in a traditional sense of like, hey gotcha. guys, let's do this with the song or this or that. But I mean. Which is yeah. tough anyway when you're self-producing because it's like he wrote the song, you know, so I get that he's not going to, you know, he may probably had ideas. Like it makes sense that he would give him the credit. He, he like you said, that he. he yeah, I mean, it, had, it definitely was him. And I mean, it wouldn't have been me like at the time. And it wasn't probably wasn't Mike either because he usually kind of came in and, and, and left. Um, so but that so that definitely, you know, it makes sense. Um, it was funny too, just thinking about this seven inch about when the levee breaks and how cool it is now looking back that Todd Schwartz, um, you know, Mike's friend who passed away, like mm -hmm. that he played harmonica on it. It's just cool to document that. It's fun when you can make music with people and have like a, a, a documentation of it. He's such like a, and I was just, it made me think about um, when we got back together, you know, I think he was so excited to like, get up and play play with us but the reality is, is that we weren't really going to play when the levy breaks you know it's not like if you're going to pick your set your judge set you can only pick so many songs like when the levy breaks isn't really going to make it in usually yeah you know? but he was so psyched that i'm pretty sure when we played webster hall when we first came back we did two nights and on the second night we played it and he came up and he did a solo and he was really psyched and so you know he you know, knowing that he wanted to kind of, that he was there and he was down to A, help us out and roll the shows and all this stuff, but he also wanted to play. So we try and play it as much as possible. He came to Europe and we were in Germany in I think Essen and, uh, and Todd showed up. Todd's there, he's coming. Oh shit, okay, cool. And uh, well, he didn't just show up, but he, we knew he was coming on that trip and it was great. It was, you know, we need, it was great to have him around and, and you know, he was great you know, just to, to be around and it's Mike's good friend and from back home. But, uh, Long story short, he was up on stage. We played When the Levy Breaks. He, and the club was big and the stage was really high and it was very wide. It was like a wide stage. So it was kind of, although there were a lot of people, it was still pockets where you could, uh, it was sparse in, in spots. Um, but so Todd does his, he comes up, it's, you know, harmonica time. He busted out. He's got his leather jacket on, judge hammers on it. He's a big dude, right? He was in the Marines, just like a biker dude finishes his solo, fucking runs full speed off the front of the stage, jumps in the air, probably three or four feet. The stage is already four or five feet high. Nobody catches him. He lands, he splits his leg in two. And you know, we're still playing, we finish the set and we get off and someone said, oh my, uh, Todd's really hurt. And we, go, we walk right backstage off, off after the set. And there he is just like craziest look on his face, holding his leg, he's like, I'm all right, Sammy. I'm all right, I'm all right, Sammy. Next wow. thing you know, he's in the fucking hospital and we go to visit him that night after we loaded the van and packed up all of our shit. It's like three in the morning. We're in this hospital in this little German town and it was like empty. I don't know where the fuck everyone was, but it was like being in the shining of hospitals. It was like really fucking scary. And you just hear these like footsteps and it's this doctor and it's like, hey, we're, like, hey, we're from the Taj Schwartz. And like, is he okay? It's like, it's like, no, your friend is not very good. Like he will not be leaving for three weeks and sure enough he was in there for three weeks um a bunch of our friends local kids helped him out brought him like i think they brought him a tv a bunch of shit did his laundry for him 
but we had to fly out the next day. Our flights were booked, and there's nothing we could do. So oh, he no. was there, and it was a real gnarly uh, moment. But um, wow, because yeah. he was an original Judge Rody, right? Like that's he was yeah, Mike's I mean, he friend, was one of Mike's old friends. So he started. He would show up back in the day around this time of the seven inch. And I remember, like, I think the first time I met him was we played Boston, and it was like, Todd's going to drive. I was like, all right. He shows up. And I feel like he had a pickup truck with one of those, like, cabs on the top, and it was just filled with all the equipment. And we're, like, laying down to go to Boston. It's, like, five hours. And I remember he was fucking flying, and we got pulled over. <laughs> and I was like, oh, my God, oh, my God, there's cops. We're going to, we're going to, you know, what's going to happen? I was, you know, 16 or something. And next thing you know, we get let go. And I learned that he was a Marine and had this, like, special get out of jail, you know, free card. Wow. He was and so um, that was like when I first met him and then he came on that tour that we did, or I think for some of it, or maybe all of it, you know, that one tour with Lars and Matt. And um, he was cool, you know, it was, yeah. It, there was some trouble that was started on that tour with him, but, but ultimately like, he's great. And it was cool when we got back, you know, again in for those Webster Hall shows to just have him there. It's like, it was- Did I, I yeah. Did I read correctly or hear correctly? Like he was like the first person, one of the first people that knew the news or saw you guys in the practice space when you did the reunions. Like it was like Mike wanted to get his seal of approval. Um, yeah, or did I... up with... Shit, that's a good question. I don't know. I know it was another friend of Mike's that came down to the initial rehearsal. Um, I think maybe if, and you might have to ask Mike about this. I feel like they might've had some kind of falling out. And then when we got back together, that sort of sparked kind of them, you know, reconnecting. That's, that's, mm -hmm. I mean, that's good then. I mean, at the end of the day, you know, it's nice yeah. they had, that it was a catalyst to reconnect uh, old friends and everything. So speaking of friends, the thanks list on here is real small for like a hardcore thanks mm. list. And I'm, most of these names, I, I don't, recognize i see hd who's hd do you know <sighs> shit Dayananda das goswami <laughs> and then there's purcell was always into like doing um initials so uh like he dated this girl i think in high school like his high school crush tina harrelson so th i think it's on like break down the walls Okay. <laughs> a lot of like early it's smart thinking because then you right. can just like later on be like oh it stands for you know whatever yeah i don't know who that is yeah. and then there's ann v that's mike's uh girlfriend of girlfriend at the time that's uh, uh max max wilker like one of my best friends who uh he did skinhead max he did a lot of like graphics for us and stuff and, and okay. flyers and um all around great dude very largely responsible for the new revelation website Shout out okay. to Max. Oh, nice. Oh, nice. Nice. Shout yeah. out, Max. Bit up, oh, Max. Dylan, we know, I'm assuming Dylan Trifles. Yeah. He's, um, on, he's on the photograph of that on the insert. Uh, he's right behind Mike with the hat on, I believe. Okay. And then, uh, hold on, we got Luke. I'm, I'm assuming, is it yeah. Luke, Luke that we know and love? Bit up, oh, Luke. Yeah. And then finally, Eric Weiss. Uh, Lars's brother. Okay. Yes. Uh, AKA Lion Dub. He's a great, very talented reggae producer. Oh, uh, nice. Musician. But um, cool. yeah, uh, yeah, that's a tight little list right there. <laughs> yeah, it's like compared to like like the bringing it down thanks list was like took up, you know, 
totally two thirds of the way. Of it. Right. Sammy, are you are you happy or are you okay with the fact that this is the uh, judge's swan song? Like when you look at this record, are you like this was a good way to go out and you f- think of it fondly? You're, um... I know that's kind of a heavy it's, question. No, it's, I. The song, to me, this EP is about the song, Forget This Time. Yeah. So with that song, yes, 100%. As an EP, it's a little janky listening back with the song selection, like The Storm When the Levee Breaks and Forget This Time are just three different songs in my brain, you know? Um, so if I had to do it over again, I might kind of tweak. Although, like you said, I take that back, actually, because you said the seven inch is just the two songs. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, I, th- I always thought the Led Zeppelin cover was like uh which isn't the led zeppelin version an actual cut like it's a traditional like blues oh, yeah, song might be. or something yeah i mean yeah. jimmy page yeah but um <laughs> and like i said my my knowledge of led zeppelin is is very limited but hey, have you been to that uh led zeppelin theme restaurant you cooked me <laughs> <laughs> the uh no, jason, jason no, and those, I... in regards to those two songs i'm yes i'm totally stoked on because i think forget this time really sums it up and we had kind of plateaued for our ability and and what we were sort of trying to do and you know what it could have should it would have been great to make an album sure in the vein of that you know i think yeah. we, we had it in us and we could have done it but um but that and then the storm you know recording it again sure like again like we were we were just it's a cool version it. like it's 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 not and it's i like different. it it's different yeah if you're it's, a completist it's different mm-hmm. so when judge is done the, the breakup of Judge has been documented and, and talked about, you know, a lot. So it's not like we're, we're not going to dive into that. Wait till my tell-all book. I'm doing the sick tell-all book. It's going to change everything. <laughs> oh, wait, what are we? What, uh, oh, what, what, from, biscuit, from, what was From said. Biscuit to Biscuit. From Biscuit to Biscuit. From Biscuit yeah. to Biscuit. <laughs> so yes. um, these are the tales. When the um, Old Smoke record came out. Uh-huh. What did you, what did, what, what, what was your reaction? Were you like, holy shit, like you this know, is I not what I like, expected? I wasn't really, for myself personally, like I was, I did sort of depart, you know, as much as I love all those dudes in hardcore and I, you know, stayed in touch with some of them more than others, but I was playing in this reggae band called 32 Tribes. I was going to the new school uh, for jazz, ultimately started Civ. Like, um, so what, I mean, what year was Old Smoke? 92, 93? I think 93. So yeah, I was like just doing other stuff, man. Mm-hmm. And I, um, I think I heard it and was just like, sounds like Neil Young, (laughs) you know, like a little, just like, um, I didn't really have high expectations either way. So I wasn't like I was underwhelmed or I just, it wasn't really for me. And, um, you know, was happy that Mike was doing stuff and I knew that it made sense. I think that he and Todd connected on something, Mm -hmm. but, um, looking back now, you know, like if I had that wand to kind of fix things, like, you know, I think, yeah, my mic should have maybe developed that concept a little more and really ran with it because it was really ahead of its time. Because now you find a lot of punk and hardcore dudes who kind I, of put stuff yeah. out, like Brian Fallon. You know what I mean? Like yeah. Yeah. Chuck Reagan, a lot of that stuff. So he was ahead of the curve. Yeah, yeah good, good observation. Good observation, Hav. I, I I couldn't agree more. Like now, I think it would be 
Like, and I you think you get like an award, like every you guys should get little like dings, like little medals, like a star <laughs> should go off every time something good. And it's a competition. So Hav's got a few points now. I think he's winning. <laughs> you are good job, Hav. But you're right. Like that record, I'm I'm actually excited to talk about that one with Mike, just because to me that has so much mystery because it came at a time where it's it's not a hardcore record, and it came at a time where you know Judge was done and. Like I've never, I actually posted once on one of those hardcore groups, like, did anybody ever see Old Smoke live? Because by all counts, they did play shows. I'm assuming maybe just in, in New Jersey bars or, yeah. so hopefully when we talk to Mike, we can get Yeah, uh, you know, I appreciate info. these like curveballs that I think it makes uh, hardcore even that much more special. Yeah. It might not be like, it might make you cringe a little bit. It might not be the obvious thing. You know, the song Shelter with the drum machine, the Rain Purcell project, uh, Mike's Country thing. Like, you fan know, of both, like, fan of that. Yeah, just like, I think. Playing, in a, playing in a reggae band. Playing in a reggae band, 32 yeah. Tribes, you yeah. know, like. Um, is there any material recorded with you? There is. There's a lot of demos. We rehearsed like fucking crazy. Like, it was like one of these bands that was like, every three days a week, we rehearsed for fucking five hours. And like, so you we know, rehearsed a lot, we played a lot, we jammed a lot. So we, we were really tight. Uh -huh. um, I'll send you some stuff. There's some- we'll Yeah, I would love to hear. And then was Engine at the same time too? Yeah, I've, I've, I've looked hard for Engine stuff and you guys had a different name for a little while, right? First was Engine and then was Loaded. Yeah. And um, that similar, we rehearsed a lot. Like looking back, it just blows my mind the amount of rehearsing we did of just, uh you know, meeting up in the studio for hours and just working on songs. And um, yeah. what Loaded was, uh, yeah, we had a few different singers, you know, and, and a couple different paths. And um, we we, we, all, we came close to writing, um, recording an album and putting it out. And then Siv started and kind of got busy with that and uh -huh. Loaded fell apart. But there are some good recordings floating around. We'd love to hear that Gotta too. Track like that I, down. I remembered reading about Engine, might have been both Engine and Thirty Two Tribes in uh, the interview you did in that All Ages book. Uh -huh. Okay. Uh, and that was like in the ninety, like the, I think said 95. the interview. I think yours was like two different interviews in one. One was like ninety four, and one was like ninety six. Um, so it was a lot fresher then, obviously, than it is in two thousand twenty one. But yeah, um, so. Yeah. Um, those were all like really fun kind of, you know, long two or three year long chapters for me, um, you know, which just helped me musically and just, it was just cool to do something different. And um, ultimately Ian and I connected again at rival schools. So there was that, that connection. And um, yeah, I just, I regret not putting something out with those bands with, I wish 32 tribes put something out. I wish. Yeah, It'd be cool if you had someone rev documentation. Of yeah, it. yeah, totally. It would have been of the era where it would have made, you know. Well, 32 Tribes was playing. There was like a whole like ska thing happening at like uh, Wetlands with like the Spin Doctors were like blowing up. And there was like this whole like weird scene that was happening in New York. And then we'd also play colleges and we'd also play like kind of like Nell's and like some New York nightclubs. But, um, but we played with Quicksand at Wetlands. We played with HR a lot. So there were these ties to the scene. Um, but we also played with like Eka Mouse and we played... Mm -hmm you know, some heavy reggae dudes too. Did you ever get to sit in with any of those bands as a drummer? Uh, the, not really. Um, HR got up, we played, I think I told you guys this story. Might be a Tell it again, like, please. But, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> 32 Tribes are supposed to play with HR at the Haunt in Ithaca. Uh -huh. We drove up to Ithaca, New York, in the middle of the winter. And I guess he had canceled so many times 
that nobody believed he was actually coming. Mm. So the place was like not that many. There was like 15 people there. And uh, and he showed up with no band. And he, just, <laughs> <laughs> he had a dad cassette of his new record. And so he played the dad cassette with vocals and everything and basically lip synced and danced. Wow. And, and then we played. For some reason, we went on after him. I don't know why, but we just it worked out that way. And sure enough, he got up and started singing with us. So that was pretty special for me. Wow, that's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. But I, I wonder what record it would, it would have like, been. I was like, HR, what's up? My name's Sammy. I was in youth today. Like, you know, da da da, like the Chrome Ags, this and that in New York, my hardcore, blah, blah. And he just looks at me and just goes, Rastafari. And just Hey, you, you know, uh, as an aside also, I think I mentioned this, the last time that Gorilla Biscuits played at the Garden Amp, which is in Garden yeah. Grove, HR played at the Doll Hut, which is in Anaheim. It's about a block away from Chain Reaction. Same night, everything. And I thought it would have been so cool if HR would have been able to play that Gorilla Biscuits show. Can you imagine? Yeah. I don't think you're alone in that. Like, it would have been so cool if HR did this. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's because, like, when he does the the human rights and the reggae stuff, he's a lot yeah. more into it. Yeah, so it's like, shit, by the way, me too. Yeah, me too. Same. I want. I was trying to think, and I know Hav does. I was trying to think of what album it would have been at that time because there's those ones he did after SST, uh -huh. like I love. What was the one Hav? Oh, I, I love, uh, man. Like it was that, a charge on it and like no even after that like um I, i'm i'm a huge reggae fan and mm -hmm. charge actually is my least favorite hr record which i know is a weird thing to say uh, and i'm sorry but um, it's not a weird thing but that's my favorite yeah HR. i know it's most people's favorite it's a little bit too quote-unquote dad reggae for me um i'm more of like you know into rock steady and and Older he just sound. Lost, he just lost his star. The stars are able to disappear. <laughs> <laughs> oh, here's the one. Our faith. This yeah. is ninety-two. Oh God, I so love that. I wonder record, if it man. was. I wonder if it was this one. <laughs> yeah. All right, dudes. I gotta get going. Yeah. Man. Listen. Um, Let's get your hot what, track. What's your hot we track? We already know it. Forget this time. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's just gonna be all around. Drones are great on that one. Yeah. Yeah. yeah the, the way that it starts out. Da, 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 da. Yeah, um, pretty fucking genius if you ask me. Yeah, that's my hot, so too. Yeah. Did that's I get my hot track. Did too. my stars go back up just now, dude? The star, Sammy <laughs> stars just boom. <laughs> and the winner is. Yeah, you got Sammy a free all you can eat at uh, you cooked me. You got yeah. a you can eat dinner. Yeah, I, I, does anyone have a different hot track on this, or can we all just agree that that no, is even if this was like a one-sided flexi or something like that? Like this was just a single. Like, you know how bands sometimes will just put out one song yeah. as a single randomly. I think yeah. this as a standalone song, like not to discount the other version of The Storm or um, When the Levee Breaks, but uh, Forget This Time is a shining star in the Judge catalog, I think. Well, I'll tell you a quick story real quick. Forget This yeah, Time. Another story. star. So I'm going to try and get a star with this one. Um, <laughs> We just moved to California, like whatever. And Judge was, we were just getting back together. We were playing the Webster Hall thing. And I was like going to work. I had a job out here and I was like eight in the morning. And on KXLU, I think on Tuesday mornings, there was like a hardcore show mm -hmm. at the time, or maybe this still is, but there was at the time. And I get in my car and, you know, we were like just starting to rehearse for this Judge, you know, we're like getting back for this Webster Hall show. And I turn the radio on. I'm like, fuck, it's not playing. What the hell's going on? And I just hear like some crackling and that's it. And I like turn the volume up really loud. Like what the fuck is up with my radio? Like I'm, I have it on and there's just some crackling and I just hear, doo -doo -ca 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 -ca. I had turned the fucking radio on exactly when 
those dudes were playing forget this put, time and he puts the needle down and you heard yes. the like dead wax you get two stars for that two stars. that probably and then you were probably like yeah we're doing the right thing yeah <laughs> i think i'm gonna do it yo sam thanks Again, for joining us. Um, we love talking to you about this stuff and how open and willing you are even to go back and dig through the vaults of your mind to yeah. try and come up with some good stories. We appreciate it. Cool. Thanks, dudes. I appreciate awesome. uh, what you guys are doing, man. Let's talk soon. All right. Thanks, yeah. Sam. Thanks again. Peace. Rastafari. Rastafari. I feel like we really that that was a a good interview because Sammy first of all did his homework. You know he revisited the record. Um, he brought up some memories, um, and this was kind of just a I feel like kind of a quiet ending. Well, at the time it was an ending to the Judge saga, and yeah. I, they didn't go out with a bang. It wasn't like some big drawn out thing. It was just like, well, we did this record and now some of us are going to go do other records. You know, as Sammy said, he went off and did other bands and other genres of music. Of course, Porcel went on to do Shelter with uh, Raghunath. Um, Mike Judge kind of went away and did his own thing with Old Smoke. Can't wait and, to talk about that yeah, one too. Yeah. And... Um, you know, I don't think that we really saw Matt Pincus play on anything else after this record. No. And then, and then the this thing- might be Lars's only uh, Revelation Records appearance, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think Matt Pincus ended up doing the label some records with Walter and I think Sammy. I think the three of them did it. Um, and then, you know, he works in the, in the music industry. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and then, of course... Lars, yeah, I have no idea. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but so th- yeah, this uh, this I don't want to say that the seven inch was a footnote, but it's it it kind of just it didn't have the same impact that bringing it down had, obviously. No, and um, like Sammy said, it was just like, hey, we got this song, like let's record it. Oh, and then we got this other reworked version of this other song, and then oh, while we're in the studio. Let's just jump in and do this Led Zeppelin cover. You know, yeah. it wasn't like this big, huge plan of like a lot of times bands these days. It's like, all right, we're going to make a demo. Then we're going to make a seven inch. Then we're going to make a 12 inch. Then we're going to do a split, you know, and, and they kind of have this progression. It was just like, all right, well, we, we did this thing. And like, now we're going to go do this other thing. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's a great seven inch in a, a good way. Um if it is a footnote, it's a damn good footnote. Yeah, and yeah, especially I, I, like the vinyl, 
because I guess the Led Zeppelin cover is cool, uh-huh. but I like the fact that the vinyl is just two songs. Two songs at this time yeah. and the storm. It's a it's like a true single, you it's, know, like a, yeah, yeah. Like it, it really is like a hey, here's a brand new song, uh-huh. and here's a a B side. And yeah. you know, I like that it, when bands do that. I'm a huge Block Party fan, oddly enough, and Block Party will put out standalone singles. Hey, here's just this one song that we have in the middle of albums, and yeah. I think that that's cool. And that's that's Same. I, like New know, Order would do it all the time. Like the some yeah. other New Order hits weren't on proper LPs; they would just be like a standalone. Right. And again, look at the Smiths and Morrissey. Like some of their some of the biggest Smith songs, including "How Soon Is Now," were just B sides to a single when they came out. They weren't intended to be like a hit. They weren't you know, at the front of an album or anything, it was just like, eh, we got this song and we got this other song and like, let's keep writing and recording songs. So when I say footnote or when I say these songs don't necessarily have the impact of bringing it down, I'm not saying that as a negative. I'm just saying like, you know. No, you're right. Yeah. I mean, when you hear people talk about Judge, you nine times out of 10, they're going to talk about the seven inch, the first seven inch or the or the LP or yeah. Chung King, you know. And then this kind of like you never hear anybody go to ride really hard for this seven inch except there was a piece on double cross um years ago that is now up on the rev site so if you go uh, rev hq and then they have a section called speak up Mm -hmm. and there's a like a blog a lot of the old archive double cross stuff has been fed over there and there's a very interesting piece written by uh gordo Bit at Boda Gordo. He did uh, Impact Fanzine and he uh, played in like the Reunited Hands Tied when they were doing shows. But uh, it's a very interesting, fun read about the the Storm 7 inch that uh, if you're a fan, you should definitely check it out. I was really uh, stoked to hear about the artwork for this 7 yeah. inch, too. All Same. of it the cover photo, the photo of Mike Judge. Yeah. Um, you know, all, all that stuff. It was cool to hear that story the artwork yeah. for this seven inch is awesome it is it's so too it's so too yeah you could say it's sparse in a way you know the front cover is a little bit of a departure from other rev releases in the fact that it's not a live photo especially yeah. um it, like the judge seven the first judge seven inch it's got a logo right? It's got the hammers and it's got the judge logo mm-hmm. and bringing it down has a live photo. Break down the walls has a live photo. Start today has a live photo. Speak out. Yeah. Speak out. And then you got this where it's just lightning with like, and the, the yellow like really pops. It's yellow, right? Yeah, it is. Yeah. It's, and it, it pops with that, um, the lightning and I, it is, uh, it's cool. It's not overdone. It's uh, tasteful. Yeah. Well, let's be real. Forget this time is a ripper too. I mean, yeah, forget this time is awesome. The way that it starts. Yeah, the drums sound awesome on it. And I liked hearing Sammy, you know, talk about uh, the drumming um, and his unique style from being, you know, that we talked about. Uh, I don't know if it was on on or off recording. If it was uh, on recording and it's not in the episode, you should sign up for our Patreon because it's <laughs> good drumming talk actually with Sammy that I think will be a having my say. Yeah, having my say. I, and I have to do, I still have to edit uh, Vic Dakara's having my say where he talks about playing guitar. So I think that's oh, nice. a cool and that's something maybe that we should do in the future is talk to these people about their actual, because yeah. like, I'm already thinking ahead 
to Far Side because I have some musical questions for that band. I'm so stoked to talk to Far Side about Rochambeau. I think about it. I've thought about it every day this week. I cannot wait to get into like 1993, 92, 93. And we're getting there, man. We're getting there. Yeah, we're yeah. getting you know there. Um, like I said, with the Patreon and having my say, I think there's having my say, and I got to give credit to Javier. That was his idea where you know we have these little bites sometimes they're three minutes sometimes they're 10 15 minutes yeah where it just doesn't fit in the episode but it's interesting content and um that's for all patrons no yeah matter even what the tier even the three dollar level yeah uh, and i think you, it's you can get it's in cool with that. and we there's other stuff and you know we do have some bonus episodes we'll have the uh shelter challenge i guess up soon right i don't yeah, know yeah yeah um and some more cool stuff planned so Check it out. Check it out. com. I always try to, you know, at the end of our episodes, I do a little recording of all of our $20 uh, top tier patrons. And I always, I'm like rushed by the end of it. I'm like, okay, www.whereitwentpodcast.com. And uh, so, yeah. That's all I got, man. That's it. Uh, So Jason, what do we have on the next episode? Next episode, Super Touch. The earth is flat. See now, this is the one that I've been waiting for um for a while so i'm excited cool yeah can't wait can't wait to talk super college years are here (laughs) all right everybody thanks for tuning in we'll see you next time thank you what's up everybody this is javier from the where it went podcast just wanted to give a special bit of bow to our top tier patrons billy tonnell bram hubble brandon gavel brooklyn cesar falcon chad keplinger next time.